Good morning. Have a seat. Good morning, Christ Church. Let me say a prayer for us. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for who you are and what you do. We're thankful for this wonderful place you've given us to draw near to you. I pray that you would fill our hearts with your goodness today. I pray, Father, that we would be reminded of who you are and why we can trust you and follow you all the days of our life. Help us, guide us, direct us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So dreaming is one of those interesting things that happens to all of us. Even if we don't remember we, uh, what we dreamed, we all dream. And dreams take different pictures, different images, different shapes. Some of the dreams are like, wow, that was fun. Others of the dreams are like, I, that was weird. <laughs> Did anybody have a weird dream before? You're like, I, I don't even want to remember that one. That one can like fade away into the darkness. But it turns out some of us have the same common recurring dream. And when people have been interviewed and talked about, almost, I think, over 50% of people have the common dream of being chased. Have you ever had this before? In your dream, somebody's chasing you. You can't get away from them. One writer talks about it like this. The path you travel is dark as you walk alone, grateful for the short-lived luminescence of each streetlight. But in the darkness between, you feel the hairs raise on the nape of your neck. You feel someone, something watching. You stop, listening carefully. But it takes a moment to differentiate the soft footsteps from the thunderous beating of your heart. Your breath catches in your throat. The steps grow louder. You turn. You run furiously, pumping your arms. You get, it's getting closer. Somehow you know. Without turning, it's gaining on you. In a matter of moments, it will be upon you. And then you wake up. <laughs> It was just a dream. Have you had? I remember being a little girl, and I'm going to date myself here. Does anybody remember the old TV show V? Okay. Remember the girl with the lizard tongue? I had this. I know. I'm sorry. I'm old. Yeah, you'd have to Google it. It's so cheesy now. But in those days, it was so creepy, scary. And her and another guy from another scary thing, they were chasing me up the stairs of my house. And I'm running as fast as I can. And they're, like, right around to turn the corner. And then you can't move. You had this, like you're running, but you can't move, and they're getting closer. So it's interesting because many people have this dream, and one of the things they commonly agree about is that when you have a dream of being chased, it's connected to moments in your life of heightened worry, heightened stress, heightened anxiety, and you process that anxiety, that worry, that stress, because you're trying to outrun whatever it is that's terrifying, stressing you, worrying you. And there's this sense of something bad is coming after you. What's chasing you, it's never good, right? Like, it's never like, hey, let me give you all these presents and candy. Like, it's chasing you. It's bad. It wants to harm you, hurt you, consume you. You can't escape it, and you're stuck. Now, it's interesting. Brene Brown said when we feel stress, when we evaluate, like, our environmental demands, it's beyond our ability to cope successfully. That's where we start to feel this stress and our lives are somehow happening faster, it's unfolding faster than our nervous system and psyche can manage well. So we feel worry, we feel anxiety, we feel stress. And one of my favorite definitions is this. It's the perception the situations we're facing are greater than the resources we have to deal with them. That's stress, right? Things are happening, I can't solve them, I feel stress. And whether it's I don't have enough time, I don't have enough energy, money, ability, help, this disruption creates all of these marks of stress. And whether in our dreams or while we're being awake, these being chased, it's something we can't deal with, something we can't cope with. We don't have the resources to handle it. 
we're being chased. We can't outrun it. We can't defend ourselves against it. We keep running. And then in life, when this busy and this stress and this worry all get together, we just keep making things busier because then you don't have to deal with the problem. And then the calendar gets full and you never stop to think <clears throat> what is going on. But unfortunately, friends, we do the same thing in our relationship with God. We run from God. We avoid God. We think if I go fast enough, busy enough, long enough, I don't ever have to confront. He can't catch up with me. I don't have to look up close the thing I'm trying to avoid, the hurt, the disappointment, the guilt, the problem, the struggle, the shame. And we run, and we keep God at this distance. But what if all this time we've been spending running from God, hiding from God, we've misunderstood who God is? We've misunderstood what God wants for us. We misunderstood what God brings into our life when we slow down enough to let him catch up. One more time, we're going to look at Psalm 23, because the imagery that David gives us helps us understand God in ways we have missed him for generations. What does David tell us in Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd. He's guiding me through life. The old Hebrew actually says, the Lord is shepherding me. God is actively guiding through my life, guiding me through my life. And then everything that David says from there, he says our relationship to God isn't based on what God's taking from us. It's not a subtraction relationship. Instead, this is what God adds to our life. When we spend our life with God guiding us, when our path is being led by him, he adds direction and rest and hope. He guides us through the darkest places in our life. Yes, we might have to go through the valley of the shadow of death, but we don't have to live there. We don't have to set up camp there. Christ is with us, and he can lead us out. So today I want to add one more picture for us in verse 6. This is what David says. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Listen to how interesting this is. Many times we think, what, if God's coming after us, what's going to happen? It's going to be bad, right? It's being sent to the principal's office. It's never good when you go to the principal's office. It's always trouble, problems. We think God's coming after us to condemn us, to shame us, to feel really bad about some terrible thing and we don't want him to catch up with us so we run one poet francis thompson said i fled him down the nights and down the days i fled him down the arches of the years i fled him down the labyrinth ways of my own mind and in the midst of tears we flee from god thinking he can't ever catch up to me i don't want my past to catch up to me i, I don't want to get caught i don't want that feeling of not being good enough and we have all these pictures that we've been trying to guess at who god is and some of the pictures are mean or judgmental or harsh or cruel and he's in heaven and we're down here and he's just waiting to catch us doing something wrong and we miss god and who he is so for generations, we've been guessing about God, and there's these ancient ideas that distort who God is, and we think, gosh, I don't want to know somebody like that. Or we have these modern ideas about who God is, and it manipulates God into their own wrong reasoning or personal gain, and think, I had enough of that. I don't need any more. And we have all these just pieced together pictures, ideas, images of who God is, and we miss 
knowing the God who has historically been revealing himself to us. And David says, let me give you one more idea, one more image, one more picture to put into your mind when you think about who God is. God is our good shepherd, and the shepherd loves his sheep. If God is following us, if God is chasing us, what's coming for us isn't for harm, but for good. David said, here's, let me give you this promise when you think about God. Here's what's chasing you, the goodness and the mercy of God all the days of your life. Again and again, what do we learn about God? He's good and he's merciful. One theologian said it like this, God's mercy is his goodness to those who are in misery and distress. His grace is his goodness towards those who deserve only punishment. His favor towards those who deserve no favor. God's patience is his goodness in withholding punishment towards those who continue to sin. God's love means that God eternally gives of himself to others. His faithfulness means that God will always do what he has said and fulfill what he's promised. All right, we know God is good. We know God is merciful. We actually have the Bible that shows us God's history of being good and merciful. And sometimes we miss because there's all these other things and we're like, I don't understand that piece. But look at what God does. When you go to the Old Testament, he chose this group of people. He could have picked anybody, but he picked a group that nobody would have picked. And he made a nobody group a somebody group. And he chose this nation and made them his people and he gave them this direction this guide how to do life and he rescued them when their lives were enslaved he set them apart he gave them in an absolute war-torn ravaged world he gave them this law and showed them these incredible works and miracles that he could do and here's what he said i'll be your god and you'll be my people and they had this promise, this covenant that he would be with them and he would bless them and he would make a nation out of them. And they said, we promise to be faithful to you and we're not going to turn after other gods or put anything before you. And God was with them and they had this new home and this new land and they grew. But then one generation changed and a whole generation grew up and didn't know God. They didn't remember what God had done. They abandoned him and all went after their own ways. And then they were attacked by other nations and they cried out for help and God heard their cries. And he sent a judge to help rescue them and he was moved to mercy. And while the judge was with them, they'd turn back to God and they'd fight back against who was attacking them. And then the judge would be gone and they'd abandon God again. And then the whole circle would start again and they would be in these terrible, miserable conditions and they'd cry out for help. And God heard their cries and God would send them help. And another judge would raise up to lead them and then they would abandon God again. And God gave them kings to lead them and prophets to remind them, hey guys, remember this promise we made. Let's turn back to God. And you can read some of the kings follow God and he blessed them. And then there were kings who didn't just not follow God. They followed the most evil, atrocious things you could think of. And God sent prophet after prophet to say, this isn't right. We got to change. We got to turn back to God. Remember how faithful God is. And still they would turn away. When part of the kingdom was destroyed, more prophets came and said, look, guys, it doesn't have to be this way. It's not too late. And still they wouldn't turn back. And the rest of the kingdom fell. Their home, their temple, 
their beautiful city was destroyed, and God still saved a remnant. Even when they were taken into captivity, he was with them. Even when their beautiful home was destroyed, their hope was God would bring them back, and he did. They eventually left captivity, and there was new leaders, and they rebuilt the temple, and you can read about rebuilding the wall, and they returned home. And God gave them opportunity, pursuing them to turn back to him. And when the kings didn't work, and the prophets didn't work, and the priests didn't work, God sent his own son, Jesus Christ, into the world. And what did Christ come to do? Let me show you how much your Father in heaven loves you. Let me show you the goodness of God, that he who did not spare his own son, how much more for our sakes. We misunderstand God when we think what's chasing us is for harm. God has historically been pursuing us with goodness and mercy all the days of our life. Jesus said, let me give you a picture of what this looks like. And he told a story about a shepherd who had a flock of sheep. And when one little sheep went missing, he knew. He left the 99 and pursued the one who was gone. He didn't wait for the sheep to say, hey, I'm lost here. How do I get back? He didn't wait for the sheep to figure it out and wander his way back in. He went after the sheep. Jesus said, God has been pursuing you all the days of your life. Here's the goodness of God. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ didn't say, hey, figure out what's a mess, fix it, and then come find me when you're ready to talk. <laughs> We'd have, we, we, in the middle of our mess, Christ shows up and leads us out. God doesn't wait for us to get it all figured out. He saves us so we have any hope of figuring anything out. At our worst, Christ finds us and makes us new. At our lowest, he picks us up and shows us the way. It's not anything that I've done, but only what Christ has done for me. Because God is good. Because God is merciful. Because God cares. And not in just some general esoteric. He cares specifically about you. Your heart, your soul, your life, they matter to God. We trust in the goodness of God, the mercy of God, because of what Christ has done for us. Every promise finds its yes in Jesus Christ. We stop running from God because Christ has been actively looking for us. And for some of us, it's time today to just stop hiding it's time to stop running. It's time to stop avoid, avoiding thinking God's going to just scold me when he finds me. What if we've misunderstood God and God wants to find you so that he can give you a new hope and a new direction for your life? What if God's not bringing harm? What if God's bringing good? What if God wants to wrap you in his loving arms and say, we've got this. You don't have to do it alone anymore where you've gotten off the path, God wants to guide you back to still waters. Where you've gotten lost in the valley of the shadow of death, Christ wants to lead you out into light and into hope. 
where the worry and anxiety of life have squeezed out the margin of your life, God wants to lead you to a place of green pastures where you can find rest. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. God wants to add his goodness to your life. God wants to add his mercy to your life. The promise isn't when we let God lead us that it will be easy. The, the promise isn't it's going to be perfect and no hard thing is ever going to happen. No, we will walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but we will not walk it alone. It's not going to be perfect, but it is going to be good. It, it's not going to be easy, but it is the best path for life we could ever hope to follow. God is pursuing us with goodness and mercy. And when we let him into our life, he guides us along a path that is better than any other way we could take. Which leads David to his final thing that he says in Psalm 23, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David's saying we have a home. We have a permanent place, a resting place, a destination. This world isn't wandered aimlessly. It's not just coasting from one day to the next with no direction, no destination. We have a place that's prepared for us. You can have a house and not have a home. Two different things, aren't they? Some people have moved a lot and they've been trying to find a place that feels like home. Some people have grown up their whole life in one place and it's the best place. A home brings hope and love and confidence and security. And no earthly dwelling place can ever give us the hope and confidence as the place that Christ has gone before us to prepare. What did Jesus say? He reminded his friends, I've gone ahead of you to prepare a place that where I am, you might be with me also. Christ has gone before us. Our life has purpose and direction and hope. Our life is not an accident. Friends, your life is not disposable. It has value. It matters. It's necessary. And it is waiting right now to be lived by you. Nobody can live your life better than you. Nobody can follow your path better than you. God gave it to you specifically designed for you. Your life, your chance, your opportunity to go all in on this one wild, wonderful, precious life. And when we approach it that way, look, when it's all said and done, when we breathe our last breath, what do we know? Christ is waiting to lead us home. Our final resting place is found with him. We have a good shepherd. He guides us through the days of our life, not just in this life, but into the life to come. Will you allow his goodness and mercy to be part of your life? Will you allow him to fill up the empty places and the gaps to be your guide all the days of your life. This is a beautiful verse for us to remember. When we misunderstand God, we can come back again and again and again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in greed pastures. He leads me beside still waters and restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Dear Father, I pray that you would help us. I pray when everything else slips away, we would cling to this promise from you, that we would cling to this image that you are our good shepherd, that you love us, that you lead us, that you guide us in the best direction that we can find for life. I pray, Father, where we've been running, where we've been hiding, where we've been avoiding, we would stop. I pray that you would catch up to us today, that you would fill the empty places in our life that only you can fill. I pray, Father, that you would fill our mind, our hearts, our soul with your goodness, and that all the days of our life, we will follow your direction. I promise, Father, in the hardest moments, in the hardest days, you would help us remember that you've got a home waiting for us, and it's good. Thank you for Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.